What's the exact color name of what the kitchen is getting right now? Um, the walls are decorators white, and the what is the color of the cabinets? The cabinets are Shepherd's Dream or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like some it's like a a slightly I don't want to say off white, but it's like decorators white has like a little bit of blue in it, like it's a very white white. What'd you say? Chantilly lace. That's the color. <laughs> That's the color. <laughs> Spicy. Yeah. The, the the location of my favorite metro stop, Chantilly. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. It is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com. You can send us emails, and you can totally send us emails now. We're back. We have hacked back in. It has not been a bit we've been doing for like a year and a half now. We're totally in. Um, thank you, Evan Shank, for your email at well, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. That's the address. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pod Center, Stitcher, all places you can get the show. And you can send us DMs on Instagram at Wheelrot Podcast. I know that one works. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I am on Twitter at Logwan the Dawn, and I'm coming to you guys from Stewart, Florida, uh, where we continue to just enjoy absolutely pristine conditions. So, um, just really, we're, we're really heading charging into the fall um, with some glory here. Um, great weekend. Uh, watched a lot of football yesterday. We have a new couch um, that uh, shout out to Andrew Martin, uh, you know, friend of the podcast. Uh, we commandeered his, his couch um, since he got married and his wife booted his couch, which is, you know, a thing that happens happened to me. Um, so we, we've commandeered that. It's got like a little, you know, sectional section on it. So we have multiple loungers going on at the same time, which is really taking things to the next level. Happy to announce that. So anyhow. Who's who else is here? I, I'm happy for you and Thank your you. multiple levels that are advancing. Uh, my name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where the weather continues to stay just peachy fall. Beautiful uh, days in the 60s, nights in the 40s. <laughs> I, I saw a freeze warning pop across one of the notification centers for tonight. I believe haven't seen so. one of those since you left Lynchburg. Am I right? <laughs> Yes, it is awakening some echoes. Um, I'm on Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan. Would like to spend or send out a special shout-out to one Daniel Carlson of my Las Vegas Raiders who whipped out the sniper kick today against the Chicago Bears. Um, unfortunately, was not recovered by the Raiders. But, Did uh, it go really high in the air? It, it, it looked glanced like it, too high off the helmet, I think. Yeah, we got a great slow mo clip yes. of it absolutely rocking the up man in the crown of his face mask and shooting into the stratosphere. Travis Homer, so, former Miami uh, Hurricane great running back. Yeah. Travis Homer took it right off the face. War, war one for the content, and we appreciate. <laughs> so that was great to see, and I'm sure the coaching ghost of Bobby Wilder is happy as well. Absolutely. Shout out to Bobby. When is the coaching ghost of Bobby Wilder not happy? So, 
Anyways, uh, my name is Jason Kreck. I am also in the friendly city of Harrisonburg after uh, a weekend out of town that included multiple stops, um, including, you know, I went, I stopped by the Washington DC zoo. It was great. It was, it was wonderful. Big zoo guy. Nah, I haven't been to a zoo in like 25 years probably, but okay. It, wow. It's weird, like, kind of, you know, hey, you know, these animals probably shouldn't be here. But it is very cool to be, like, 15 feet from a giant elephant. And so, you know. You know, here's the thing. Zoos, zoos to their credit, do tend to raise a ton of money and, like, do a ton yeah. of work to, like, actual preserve, preservation of species. So, like, I understand that it's, like, that's one of those, like, easy stance things where it's like, oh, I feel bad for the animals. Like, oh, do you? Do you feel bad for the animals? Like, come on. I, I do think Grow I, I, was, I was more skeptical when I first walked in and then like you see all of the stuff that they do to yeah. try to make it natural and make their lives as normal as possible. And I, I feel, I feel good, good about too. it. That's a good one too. Top notch zoo there. Love, love the zoo. Oh, it's a great do you thing. think those animals know that like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking one for the team so that it, all of my counterparts can enjoy better habitat where they belong. I don't know, I don't know if I, it would be better I, or worse to know that. I doubt that. I doubt that they are, they're taking all that into account, but that would be great. I like to think that they are. Yeah, there were two. Uh, there were two bison there. Shouts out to Mark Teeting. Um, wow. And Spencer were, Hall. And Spencer Did you guys Hall. know that um, that the, the buffalo, the mascot that runs out onto the field with Colorado, is not actually a buffalo; it's a bison. Well, what is, I believe I read this on a placard this afternoon that purists say that the only <laughs> true buffalo come from Africa, and all of the North American versions are buffalo or uh, bison. Yeah, I'll be. Yeah. Y'all ever had a bison burger or recently? It's uh, delicious. I don't yeah. know if I've had one recently, but I've, good. I've, I've dabbled with, with various dark meats, if you know what I'm saying. I remember the first time I had uh, bison meat was at a Cabela's. I believe it was in <laughs> Northern Virginia. <laughs> I love Excellent that. Start. Excellent start. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the other day that if a zombie situation happened, I would 100% set up shop in a Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops like adjacent yeah. type situation. Usually so there's like usually there's like a red robin next door so you have like unlimited foodstuffs and and deep fryers um you know well, there's that but they like the store itself is guaranteed to have a whole section that's way oh, too yeah. big Camp, of smoked and, uh, preserved like camping foods and, yeah. yes yeah like non-perishable items 80,000 types of jerky and right. so if you need do they straight up sell the good. MREs from the armed services like I do they have they do. Yeah, yeah, I think like they camp and they branded as camp food or yeah. space food, one or the other. It's, Anyhow, it's definitely just army surplus for sure. Lots of guns and boats. You know, totally. I love yeah. guns. Love There's going to be a large boats. tank with a live fish in it, so you can supplement your your preserved yes. meats with some fresh. The key meat. kind of fish is a live yeah. fish. <laughs> you, could, you could even breed some redfish. Maybe have a thriving redfish fishery going. You know, yeah. just for yourself. Or some half gurglers shelf. when you get bored. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Are you, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you. Glad to see you, support, glad to see you sporting your um, orange, or orange, blue, whatever, purple and gold. No, good, good definitely, definitely not, yeah. Okay, don't say definitely not. All right. Definitely easy, not. Easy. Emphatically. Right. Listen, I gave you guys congrats, as we will discuss later. But courtesy of Home Field Apparel, one free ad is okay. my Jamie. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. We'll have Jordan edit that out in post. Um, yeah, okay. uh, you guys drinking anything this lovely evening? It's a celebratory evening. It's a celebratory evening, so I have a celebratory but responsible pour of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Ooh. Uh, this is not the mythical batch 
that I picked up last weekend. Um, it is batch A123 that I lucked into earlier this year, uh, the day after it dropped at one of our local stores. It is weighing in at a whopping 125.6 proof. Yes. Wow. But it drinks much gentler than that. So <laughs> look out. Stay tuned. The end of this podcast is going to be awesome. Excited. Excited for what's what's the last game that we speak on? Oh, sorry. Sorry, um, Utah and USC. But these Utah you know, USC takes off. I might have some things to say about <laughs> Caleb Williams. <laughs> As, as do I. I might um, have a victory lap or two to take on that one. <laughs> I have a Blue Mountain Oktoberfest. Ooh. There appeared the to be an unintentional theme to my grab bag at Martin's. The B&B. Still getting it done. I love that. Yep. Do you have a running rankings list of Oktoberfests going uh, yet, Jason? I've, I'm blanking on what – last week's was Yingling, right? I think yeah. um, this certainly slots above Yingling's Oktoberfest. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not, so, that it was, not that Yingling was bad. This is just better. Is it better than a, a traditional Shinerbach? Oh, God, you know I love a Shinerbach, Logan. As do I, Jason. You know I love a Shinerbach. Shinerbach too. <laughs> so, tough. I think it probably slots below a Shinerbach, but I also usually, upon having a Shinerbach, enjoy smoked meats. So, this tough comparison to make. Right, good but point. Anyways, good beer. Shouts out, Afton Mountain. Um, I am also enjoying a celebratory beverage here. This is um, some... What is this rye punch? Some, some uh, like bourbon he's, punch that was. He's created. asking the VP of communications for the, the VP podcast. of communications <laughs> is in the background painting in the kitchen. Um, she made it for a uh, a party that she went to last night. It's very nice. Brought some home. Lovely, lemony, uh, some rye, some lemon, some uh, cinnamon simple syrup, I believe. Okay. Kind of like a fall a fall beverage. So not quite like a muddled cider. No, but not in that same vein of like there's yes. some spice. A foxtail. There is some some cider in it as well, but um, it's a little bit more like on the tangy side actually than the like cider beverage, like yeah, the typical cider beverage. So I think I was going for mold cider. Yeah, mold. <laughs> it's okay. We we can keep it moving, no problem. Um, okay, I don't know that we have any breaking updates on the coaching carousel, but we do have a. Sacrificial coordinator firing. Um, yep. So, tis the season. Arkansas has moved on from Danny Nos. Shout out to Dave Whitehouse for giving me a call on his way home from work and breaking it. Um, yes. As he got a, uh, he has, you know, he has some connections these days. Hey, uh, bro, you heard it. I heard it at the a, club. Some boosters, some booster folk uh, were the whispers, the streets were talking. And um, yeah, anyhow, they, uh, they've moved on from uh, Mr. Enos. I, <laughs> Danny Nos is like, the definition to me of like uninspired offensive coordinator hire. If you had to look it up in the dictionary, like guy who somehow is making like multiple millions of dollars a year to run like a quote unquote pro style offense um, that never is that effective. I think this is his second stint at Arkansas as the offensive coordinator, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, anyhow, he came, he, you know, he did a worse job than Kendall Bryles. That's the crazy thing. Like, is demonstrably. Like, they got a, like, like died in the wool gift. Kendall Bryles gets hired away. You get the chance to upgrade for nothing, and somehow your landing spot is is Daniel Enos. I don't understand. Yeah, they um, yeah, uh, Daniel Enos had like a expensive rate too, a high clip. So he's kind of in yeah, the, the like Matt, he's in the he's in the point eight million dollars. 
he's in the Matt Canada zone as far as like uninspired offensive coordinator hires in my mind. So um, um, I also want to point out Arkansas's um, I'm blanking on his name, but Arkansas's AD has notoriously been one of the loudest about if we have to pay these student athletes, we're all going to go bankrupt. And there's Hunter, just not that Hunter money. Uracek. Mr. Hunter Hunter Uracek, Uracek. Thank you. Yes. So I just want to point out for, you know, volume 752 that all these people are full of junk. This, the streets are talking a little bit, I think, around the Arkansas program, too. Clearly, they have some well-placed, high-paying boosters. They um, mm-hmm. are also in a state – I think we mentioned this on the podcast before – Arkansas and Tennessee, like, the schools can negotiate NIL on behalf of the players. Like, they don't have to go through, like, a third-party NIL collective or anything. Like, the, the schools can, like, participate in that, which is puts them at an advantageous position for getting transfers and recruiting and stuff like that. Um, not that Arkansas has necessarily cashed that in on the recruiting trail as much, but um, – that's just kind of interesting. Pittman's getting a little old, um, and I, it, it would appear that there may be some uh, some whispers that if not this offseason, like maybe sort of like a planned exit after next year. Um, I think they really like the defensive coordinator, whose name I'm blanking on, who's, I think, done a great job filling in for Barry Odom. I think their defense has been pretty good. I was gonna say, if officer. they were smart, they would look at 6-1 and one UNLV and Barry Odom, the guy who seems to make things go pretty well. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he also didn't have things going very well at Missouri and got fired from that job. So, fair. He was middling at Missouri. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think he ever matched the, the heights of the Gary Penkel era. A sentence that you just said and actually counts, which is impressive. Right. Right. Missouri also sneaky good now. I don't know what happened, but good yeah. for them. Um. Anyhow, uh, is there any other? coach chatter you'd like to get into dana almost did himself a huge favor um but alas but he so, didn't so close <laughs> so close to a huge favor. referee <laughs> um yeah okay all right let's get into it there were some games that happened did anybody take in any of wazoo and oregon this one seemed a little touch and go for a while i saw highlights oregon had some great retros yes on display um Looked like they took a while to get going and then found their stride. Uh, I saw a long touchdown pass where several Washington State players yeah. in the vicinity had their back turned. Seems to be running the wrong direction. and yeah, That was weird. I want to know what happened there. Somebody, I saw the joke that it looked like somebody's controller came unplugged. <laughs> I mean, it, really and, like, it really did. That was very strange. Well, one of the guys... I realized, like, I... And I have zero experience like wearing a helmet and knowing where I am in space on a football field. But that was – I've never seen anything like that. So. No, I, the yeah, one guy, like – You've played basketball, Jason. That's why you always talk on defense. That's right. Like we were yeah. coached to do. Got to. <laughs> um, this one was actually not as close as the score indicated. Washington State scored with like a minute left. Um, yeah. But also, shouts out to Bo Nix with what we knew to be true spiritually but is now true mathematically – no quarterback has ever made more starts in the football bowl subdivision than Bo Nix. Who did he pass? Was it David Green, the guy from Georgia? I think he, I think he tied somebody. Hold on. I will have that answer momentarily. God, that, that, guy from Georgia, that guy from Georgia had a zillion starts too, which was which was yeah. crazy. I don't think the, he ever uh, beat, I don't think he ever beat Florida either. It's wild. Amazing. The number I always like to see, and this gets updated on a weekly basis now, is that Bo Nix's first college start was against Justin Herbert. Yes. And Justin Herbert has now started like 55 games in the NFL. In the NFL right? yeah. 
Yeah, um, actually, entire... so it was, he passed two players. Both will make complete sense. Um, they both had 53. Um, one, I'm trying to think how to tease this out. Uh, one played on the blue turf. Oh, Jared Zavransky. No, if only. Oh, okay. After, um, after, after Jared Zabransky. Is he currently calling plays for the Chargers? I think it's him. Kellen Moore? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and then the other one played uh, in Austin, Texas. Oh, Colt McCoy? Colt McCoy. Wow. Both had 53 career starts. Bo Nix has 54 now. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bo. <laughs> Love that for him. I would like to watch more Oregon live. I don't know. I wish they – I know that they're going to have a game with USC coming up, which is like rapidly losing – I'm losing interest in as the weeks go by. Um, they yeah, Utah, have, they, they have you – okay, so we'll take a look at that. Like, I really enjoyed what I saw from Oregon. Um, like, I like their offensive approach a ton. I like that they're kind of like – they're like the definition of a modern, like, pr- kind of a modern pro-style, like, team. Like, they do a lot of they, – they get their quarterback a lot of, like, kind of like easy throws but then they they don't do like pure uncut chip kelly kind of like um stuff on fire. They, just, yes. they just run a very yeah. they run a very yeah aesthetically a pleasing offense but yes. seemingly sustainable offense it doesn't so. feel gimmicky i'll say yeah, that that's, and that's i what think I mean. and that's i think I mean. sometimes chip kelly like and like josh hypo offenses and like they can be extremely effective i don't want to be like ragging on gimmicks because gimmicks work but like they can they can feel gimmicky at times like when when it's just like all pace and you know the same play over and over and and you know some that stuff's effective but uh anyhow so shout out to oregon i don't know who their offensive coordinator is now but um he's doing doing a good job it's not kenny dillingham anymore uh okay oh hold on i think this is who i'm thinking of um it's will stein will stein it's danny moe is that the guy that was he like he was like an up and coming guy, wasn't he? Don't we know him? Haven't we spoken of this man before? Will Am Stein. I imagining this? Could be. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Will Stein, but uh, I think that isn't. He also sounds like he could have been an, an insurance salesman. He came. <laughs> yeah, he came from UTSA. Um, okay. I think, are, you thinking, are you thinking of Will Hall, the current Southern Miss head yes. coach? Yeah. Okay. Yep. He is also is, he was he was formerly rising and is no longer formerly rising. Going no, terribly. No longer rising. Things are not. The vibes yeah. are not up at Will Hall uh, no, uh, at Southern Miss right now. He actually needs to be on the list. He, he might be. He might be. Do you have any relation to Deacon is. Hall, our new sweet boy? <laughs> Deacon Hill. It's Deacon Hill. Unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, circle so back. close on so many connections. <laughs> To circle back, uh, Oregon, Utah will be, I'm sure we will discuss this more later in the week, but it will be on Fox, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see how many Maserati Marv references we can make during that game. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be be a good one, Uh, undoubtedly. Okay, speaking of good ones, UVA at UNC, the South's oldest rivalry. Mm. Things happened in Chapel Hill. You know, you don't just invite the Who's into town, all right? You don't just go on 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 the news tour, acting all beating your chest, Mac, things of that nature. No, I'm just kidding. Mac. The who's the who's did it, man. They really did it. <laughs> they they like they withstood a, just a horrific end of game situation in which they totally 
probably should have lost because of. And um, yeah, they gave it to him. Muscat looked awesome. Uh, they ran the ball really well. Uh, they got North Carolina into like some real third down hell, um, which was North Carolina. Surprising. Did, it was surprising. I, I, I didn't watch every single snap of this. I was tracking it, but I was also like, you know, tracking the night the night slots kind of like heated up fast yesterday like things were happening very quickly during the night games for a while but um it seemed like north carolina had a lot of like third and fives and they would just chuck it 70 yards down the field and then punt and it was like hmm i don't know that i would have done that uh, against the uva defense that's like you know fairly soft typically so um yeah great for the who's awesome win I don't know that it's like really like changes everything, but uh, a really cool win. And I, I, I feel like genuinely very happy for the team. Jason, do you have anything before I launch into? Uh, no, I'll, I'll let you do the specifics because I didn't see most of this game. But um, the biggest things I saw, one, this game should have been more a lot. Like it was not as close as the score indicated. Yes. Yeah. Um, it could have been could have been a, a bigger scoreline, which is awesome. Uh, and two, it seems like uh, like there is winning the field position battle, and then there is like playing on a different field. And it it seemed like UVA started. I think Ryan Ryan Nanny alluded to this last night, but it seems like UVA started like at its own forty, probably fifty percent of the time. And like two of UNC's first three drives started inside their own ten. Um, like they just seemed like they were backed up all the time, and so I, I think that's how you beat a team like that. Is you just say, "Hey, we only have to go sixty-two yards every time, and you have to go eighty-seven yards every time." Like that's gonna that's gonna make a difference eventually. So the available yard um, percentage stat, one of my favorites, right? A timeless one. Um, but <laughs> mo- moral of the story is very happy for you guys. I will turn it over to Jordan for thank you, thank you, uh, his, his TED talk for my dissertation. Yeah. Thank you, Jason, and thank you, Logan, for the hors d'oeuvres. Um, <laughs> so we are nearly 24 hours removed from this game going final. I am still flabbergasted that Virginia won this game. Like, I I racked my brain trying to, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, trying to figure out of a, like what is a result in college football in my lifetime that has surprised me more than this one. Um, App State Michigan came to mind, but I also think that was kind of weird in that Rich Rod's first game and first game of the year. And, you know, preseason rankings don't really mean junk. Um, UVA was 23 and a half point, 24 point underdogs in a conference game on the road uh, where UNC has taken care of business this year. We have plenty of tape and plenty of context for both of these versions of these teams um, to the point to a, that we know what we should expect. Um, Virginia did something magical over their bye week because they looked like a completely different team, uh, especially on offense. I thought Des Kitchings called it a great game. Uh, they ran for over 220 yards, which is wild to think about given how they struggled to run the ball earlier this season. Um, I saw them doing a lot more out of the pistol, which was interesting. I don't know if they identified something that, hey, this will work specifically against North Carolina or this is a strength of ours that we need to play to 
more in general. Um, I thought they called a lot more passes for Musket that got the ball out of his hands quicker, didn't rely on him sitting in the pocket and waiting for routes to come open, and he was making good conviction-induced decisions, got the <laughs> ball out. They used the uh, tight end really well on a couple of plays. Um, Malik Washington had a great game. And the defense, for the most part, uh, kept North Carolina in front of them. Um, yep. They were down at half. Mac Brown said all the right things in the halftime interview coming off the field. Like, yeah, I, I kind of got too aggressive on one of those fourth downs, but, you know, we'll clean it up and play a lot better in the second half. And for UVA to, like, withstand every punch, answer every score, despite everything that has happened in their five losses to this point this season is pretty ridiculous. Um, so yes. a lot of credit to the coaches, a lot of credit to the players, because sitting at one and five on your bye week, it would be extremely easy to get into the mail it in for the rest of the year, where am I transferring next season mindset. Um, and these guys came out and battled their butts off and got the first top 10 road win in program history, which is right. wild. So they were I, down, I remain shocked. They were and, down 20 with, or I mean 10 with 20 minutes left. That's crazy. Yeah. And they answered the bell. Uh, like you said, Jason, the margins probably should have been larger. Musket had a bad interception in the end zone in the first half. Hollins fumbles the ball through the end zone uh, there in the fourth quarter. But, uh, yeah, that was as impressive of a Virginia football game as I have watched that I can remember. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how sustainable <laughs> it is. Sure. Like, I still feel like this team could easily go 2-10. and ten. Um, But they could also – you know, pick up enough wins to get in a bowl, and then that makes, you know, decisions moving forward that much more interesting. Of course. Um, but. Yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it, it was it was like a an out-of-character complete game. And like this, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of dumping on a lot of, of UVA football products <laughs> so far this season, right? Like, it's been pretty bad. Um, and like I said, like, to have it be out-of-character in the every – check every positive box way was very it was very refreshing it was nice to see um it was nice to see the offense like take it to a team a little bit and not just feel like they had one thing that they wanted to do and then they were going to do that until they threw an until interception it work until it, yeah until it didn't God, work yeah. now we don't <laughs> right. have anything left yeah and i will continue to say that uh musket looks he he looks cool like he's a cool looking quarterback you know yeah he, he gives good quarterback face he's into it tremendous eye black situation going on love it Love, love, love what I'm saying. So, go who's. What do you think about the all whites? I love the all whites. Um, mm -hmm. I think this kind of started with Bronco, where night games on the road they typically go all white. Night games at home are typically all blue. Um, it's kind of how it's gone as of late, okay. which I like. I like some consistency because um, there for a while they tried to do like, oh, let's use every possible combination and really really yeah. be diet, diet, Oregon. And it's like, no, like just pick some things that look good. And I think they're starting to find their stride on, <laughs> on the design. Front. Also, I, I like the situational designs. Like I like, like 
baseball teams always have their Sunday uniform and like their their road and then that sort of thing. So I, I like I like that consistency as well. Have cool combinations and know when they're coming. Yep. For sure. Yeah, Florida Florida got a little aggressive with the orange tops recently, and I think Billy has nipped that in the bud. That Florida is going like they're not even doing throwback anymore. Napier is okay. old about the business. They're wearing black this year, though, for the Arkansas game. So get excited for that. Surely that won't look terrible. Are those um, also going to have gator scales? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, listen, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I didn't hate those. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it was it was interesting color, but, um, you know. It was really ambitious, and that's a tough thing. It was to it was extremely ambitious, and I think it was issue. yes for sure. And then when you know if you're trotting out like <laughs> Felipe Franks to sling it against the Texas A and M, just you know just a tough look all around. So, all right, let's keep it moving here. We don't have to talk about this one very long. Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan State zero points, one misguided trivia question one on the board. Adolf Hitler appearance. Yes. Uh, so anyhow. Uh, Michigan State well on their way to like the most at Mad Libs worthy college football team of all time this season. Coach gets fired for having phone sex with sexual assault uh, vendor trainer training vendor um, or and uh, you know survivor slash advocate slash yes yeah right, vendor right. might not be the best. Well, but I think the nature. Well, I think the the nature that got him fired was she, she was a vendor for the school. Yes. Right. Anyhow, uh, that uh, amongst uh, that team team being terrible, uh, and uh, you know losing by forty nine points to arch rival after getting into a huge fight with them last year and talking a lot of talk, uh, Michigan continues to do what they're doing, which is just kind of slowly choking teams to death. Uh, so um, JJ looks cool. He's unfortunately now the. Uh favorite to win the Heisman according to the books a lot of ball left to be played though. Yeah, I don't left. I don't love that that sounds like I think our judging by uh available ceilings I think we're still on the right track but yeah <laughs> I'm, um, I'm confident with where we're at <laughs> I think uh I will credit Jason Kirk for summing up the situation uh in East Lansing last night the best when he said Having to type up Hitler apology dot doc while the team is losing 42 nothing to its most despised rival is an actual sports information director nightmare and can confirm that sounds awful. I knew that would tickle. I would, I, that, that was right in the Jason Craig wheel. Yes, right up, right no, in my no eye. Tweet, no tweet has ever really been more in the Jason Craig wheel. That's right. That, so. That's right. Um, shout out to all the SIDs everywhere grinding. Yeah. Clemson at Miami. This was another game that happened. Um, <laughs> it kind somebody of feels like to win it. So yes, thank you. That was exactly that's exactly the takeaway. Well, somebody had to win. Um, you know, this is a huge, a huge win for uh, a, a statement win. Some are saying for Mario. Would we call it a signature win. This is, well, it is his first ACC home win since he's been the coach, which is wild. Um, but yes. you know, you, you can't just you can't just play. You know. Not Georgia Tech every week, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. anyhow, um, interesting all-around game. Clemson just kind of seemed like they think – I think Clemson thought they had it in the bag when they were up 17 to – was it 3 or 7? 17 to 7, I think. And then it just uh, just kind of unraveled for Clemson. Which, like, in their defense, isn't a totally unfair <laughs> assumption to make 
Like, no, but they're Van just Dyke so they're so constipated. Van, yeah, Van Dyke didn't play. I mean, it's this is like it's it looks like a pretty bad loss for Clemson now. Like when you realize that you lost to a Mario Cristobal coach team that like was attempting not even to win at the end, like with their backup quarterback. Um, but like Klubnik just is not the guy. She's just not great. I don't know what Clemson is doing with their quarterback development there. Like DJU has gone on to be extremely above average to like going to maybe get a, you know, an, a fringe look uh, at some training camps in the NFL based on just his measurables and, you know, ability to pilot an offense at Oregon state. Like Klubnik was a elite 11 guy. I mean, he, all the pedigree um, was right there with uh, Quinn Ewers. I think they were like contemporaries and it just, just doesn't seem to have the goods. Um, Dabo did some Dabo things in the, in, in the post game. Um, well, we should say that before the game earlier this week, yes, as, as Jason, I mentioned, I think, he made the comments that, you know, maybe this will thin out the bandwagon a little bit. <laughs> the bandwagon is getting pretty thin there, buddy. Yeah. So mission accomplished. Dabo. Yeah. All those yeah, people that jumped off go. the bandwagon are, are putting money into the hat to just think Chestnut about checkers. Yeah. He, he probably didn't realize that those bandwagon folks are help putting slides in the locker room. So. <laughs> that's, that's a good um, point. I think the, the, I think the loudest thing I heard out of this game, cause I didn't watch it, uh, was that there was, uh, a mini, a mini, mini crystal balling, um, but I'm not sure it was mini not as egregious. Has a nice ring to it. Though. Mini, yes. Um, um, no, they just they got the ball. They have a really good kicker, and they got the ball with yeah. 37 seconds or something to go, and they huddled. No, it, was, they, it was like 90 they, seconds. Okay, yeah. Sorry, they had they had that much time. They ran a play, and then they huddled for like over 30 <laughs> seconds, and yeah. then ran a play, and then just kind of like farted around and didn't actually like they needed to get another like 25 yards and they would have been in field goal range. They didn't even try, uh, which was why they had a timeout left as well. I think you're right. So yeah, they were hundred percent playing for overtime to their credit. They scored and I can, I can understand the overly time. cautious move, but uh, it seems like, yeah, Mario just needs somebody to like, so like, who's, played madden before to like yeah hand, like, hand the sticks over to to your boy <laughs> in tech that played incident boy 2015 with the rest of us but do we yeah, think I mean, he maybe just got his like cheat sheet from a from a really bad website like <laughs> oh i don't want to pay for this i'm gonna be sure to this wasn't a psyop by <laughs> yeah. led by florida state to plant <laughs> these bad cheat sheets i don't know if florida state's technically savvy enough That's to fair. pull that off right it's probably just this the sickos committee like fun cheat sheet they made like what would be the worst decision to make and he just found it like it was the first tweet that <laughs> he came just up. google image searched like yeah. football time cheat sheet and the sickos <laughs> committee was first that popped up yeah exactly so <laughs> first result yeah we Thanks. should say miami wins the game in overtime they uh both teams traded field goals in the first two overtimes um and then Miami scores uh, with their go and makes their two point conversion in the second overtime and is up by eight. So I think I texted you guys like there is zero chance that Clemson scores a touchdown and does makes both it, things and does both things them. like and they uh, they did they did not even get the first thing done. Um, Dabo after the game seemed to indicate that the play was supposed to be a, a handoff and and Klubnik pulled it and tried to make a play on his own, which is some strong. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, if it's not if, directly pointing a finger, but it is pointing a finger. 
Yeah, and I mean, and that could be true, right? I mean, and yeah. that is true. Like, I don't necessarily like. Yeah, that's a bad move, and you know, the kid maybe deserves to be benched for doing something like that. But he also maybe deserves to be benched for playing so bad. And the offense has well, not been crisp since. You know, I thought Garrett Riley was going to be a very clear upgrade for them, and it, it's not really been the case. They have not looked like they haven't gotten any better. Yeah, and so there was a screenshot today from a, a Tiger Droppings or adjacent uh, website. Again, grain of salt because this was message boards genius, but the poster basically said, you know, there was a play earlier in the year where Klubnik made a decision on his own. Dabo got asked about it, said it was a mistake, and they're going to try and, like, limit those opportunities for – for the decision making to get bad for him to make forward. bad choices that's yeah. good and that's so what you want to like, hear from your if, if we're doing that if we're letting the decision be made by him on fourth and goal then did we really learn anything so mm. uh before we move on from this game i'd like to point out i think i i have a finger on one of the possible issues going on at clemson um i saw a clear nil um initiated instagram reel today pop into my feed from one will shipley um he was doing spawn con on the golf course for pxg golf club oh yeah gosh um, which is a fit made in heaven um (laughs) if that wasn't bad enough the young man was out there in like a light olive green full cotton uh nautica polo shirt Oh, not no. moisture wicking at all. So he had like <laughs> so sweaty. The, the lower torso sweat <laughs> islands just popping up all over the young man's uh, abdomen region. Yeah, That's a tough look for a lot of a lot of reasons. So. I need to, and I'm a little disappointed that it hasn't popped into my uh, into my algorithm yet. But uh, we'll we'll oh, be excited. Coming. To see that one happen. Um, all right, we should just touch on there were some wild finishes this weekend as well. Um, one of the most extreme Iowa games of all time happened this weekend. Um, Iowa falls to Minnesota, and Minnesota gets to take the pig home with them, which is big for. Oh, we had some we had some classic PJ Fleck uh, content late night last night. Well after the game was done, there were pictures of PJ Fleck standing in the middle of the field at the stadium. Kinnick by himself uh still one of my favorite things that pops up is like when when like like Jalen Hurts goes out to watch the trophy ceremony and like people like get a picture of us like this is why he's got that dog in him you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like it's one of my favorite sports tropes it means absolutely nothing um it's very look at me Louie also like come on yeah come on PJ you're a very recognizable guy you're wearing a sweater vest and you're bald like give me a, you're give the me only a guy here wearing a necktie Yes, and a sweater vest. <laughs> yeah. At the bald. same time. You're the one who's An uncovered done that. bald head. <laughs> yes. So um uh I guess Iowa Falls, there was a, a dubious um referee decision towards the end of this game. Uh there was some some there was a punt return for a touchdown by Iowa to take the lead, which would have likely been an insurmountable lead for any either team in this game. And uh it was an awesome play. Uh, but the young man before he fielded the punt was doing a lot of like wild gesticulating, like poison Peter, whatever you want to call it, call to get away from the ball and um, then fielded the ball and ran off to score a touchdown. And the refs, I guess, decided that that was the things he was doing were invalid fair catch signals, which I think rules the play dead at the point where you catch the ball. So they brought it all the way back. And I don't know, watching it at full speed, it was kind of, it seemed like it was a bad call, but it. So- 
I think it was kind of like I don't necessarily think the refs were wrong because it was sort of like their choice. And well, so the the rule the the problem was that how it got how it got framed because right. like they call it oh it's the illegal fair catch call, which makes everybody like oh well what like did his hand go above his head or anything like that and that none of that matters. Right. The rule says as soon as you make any sort of arm wave, whether it's down by your hips or whatever. So basically, anytime you do the do the Peter call, the poison call, and wave, wave for everybody to get away from it, the right. first time the ball is touched, the ball is dead. And so that's kind of that's in it for a reason. And um, you know, it's it's kind of a weird system in that like the fair catch call is so close to what everybody does to tell everybody to get away from the ball, but like. No, the the refs were 100% in the right. The bad part was how they and everybody else framed it of like, well, I don't think he was actually waving for a fair catch. None of that matters. It's as right. soon as you tell everybody to get away from it with your arms, yeah, the ball – Yeah, it got communicated yeah. less effectively than it, it was a It was a crappy game of telephone to make everybody annoyed because the punt return itself was awesome. Like he right. – Tiptoed up the sideline and cut it across. Well, and no great. one really, no one like he didn't gain an advantage really from doing it. That was the other thing. That, that's yeah, the I, don't, thing I, don't, that I think that's like true. That's the thing that seems like it sucks is like if you watch yeah. it. That's why I said if you watch it back at full speed, nobody on Minnesota slowed down. Like he made yeah. great moves along the sideline and and got down the sideline and then and cut it back and it was a touchdown. So that was cool. It that. is just like it's an unfortunate like letter of the law situation like where. You know, you probably should, as the as the awesome punt returner, you should probably know the rules and uh, maybe not not be doing all that before you pick up the punt, and run with it. So um, that's tough. Anyhow, you also scored ten total points in the game. You also still got the ball at the forty six yard line after yeah. that punt, and with, all you needed like was like eighty seconds to play or something. Yeah, and like all that. you needed was like seventeen yards, which yeah. I understand would have been eight times as many yards as you had in the second half. It must be pointed out that they gave two yards in the second. half. That's what I'm saying. Like, like we talked about it last week, like the razor's edge that Iowa was yeah. walking on, and they got got a little bit. So, anyhow, it's almost uh, like Kirk Ferentz. You know that uh, knife game that people allegedly play, where they spread their fingers out on the table. And oh they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he's doing. All like the time. he's doing that with his offense. Like, how yeah. few yards can I gain and still win a game? I think um, um, sometimes you're going to cut a finger off. Jason Kirk said that uh, Deacon Hill in the pocket looks like one of those people in the, one of those cash machines, like was, with wind yeah. blowing all around him. Spencer. He looked like Spencer said he looked like he was in the hurricane machine. Amazing, so true. He's 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 a it's it's an interesting look all around the Iowa experience. They're way behind. I, They're going to need to score some points. I believe the up. mark stands that they have to average like thirty three point six points the rest of the way. So. Right, which is that, a modest that point one percent chance was is dwindling. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I did not see the end of. Oh, Pitt. sorry. Before we move on from talking about punt returners completely, <laughs> shout out to Tony Elliott and the Who's. They made a change at punt returner, I believe, before the William and Mary game, and it has been an improvement. So, credit where credit is due, because those experiences used to be harrowing, and now they're not. So. Again, credit where hey, credit is due. Hey, listen, the, the, you're right. You're right. Credit where it's due. Absolutely. Okay, speaking of credit, Narduzzi, we had a Narduzzi situation again. No, I don't know what happened at the end of this game. I heard there was um, some referee um, sh- chicanery in this game. Jordan, you seem to be uh, have your beady eyes on it. What happened here? Pitt was playing yeah, so who? Pitt was playing Wake Forest. Oh, uh, what a matchup. At, Jeez. At Wake, Wake, I believe. Wake in the Echoes. Um, as I understand it, <laughs> The young man from Pittsburgh 
had an opportunity to make what would have been a game ceiling first down. Um, he began a slide to stay in bounds prior to the marker and therefore was ruled short. Uh, I do not remember if that was a fourth down, go for it to win the game or third and they decided to punt it away. Regardless, weight came down. Um, incredible throw and catch for the game winning touchdown. Right. Um, but wasn't this Wake's like third or fourth string quarterback too? Did not catch that detail. Okay. So I think it might have been like a, a deep, deep into the bench. A deep cut. <laughs> into the bench situation there. So tough one for Pitt. Um, just tough season for Pitt, you know. Not their best work. And yeah, then but they'll they'll mess somebody else's season up before the year's over. Yeah, the super weapon certainly still in play, still charging. Jason, did you catch any of the, the Texas Houston game as it was coming down the, the the stretch yesterday? No, I saw highlights after you uh gestured in its general direction, but I did not see live. Um it was it was interesting. Texas was like kind of up and cruising in this game and then uh Houston kind of just like got all the way back in it and was, you know, had kind of had the ball and, and a chance to win there and um they kind of got hosed by a spot situation and then tried to... before the spot though uh yours got hurt and did not return correct oh, okay so uh, that, um yes that, that well sounds right i'm not sure if he returned that night but uh it literally just came out as we were recording this i want to make sure i get this right um queen yours has agreed to a c joint sprain and his throwing shoulder will miss some time not supposed to be season ending. So dang. Hmm. That's not good. He, Could be worse. That's the second, like one of those injuries he's had too, like shoulder sprain. I mean, those are, I'm not saying he's injury prone. I'm just saying like, that's unfortunate that he's had two like AC sprain situations. It yeah. is. That's what he got against Bama. I think last year, usually to, to get that kind of sprain, you have to get hit at a weird angle. And I think it's happened multiple times. Mm. Got to get the ball out. Quinn, you know, well, I think the play it happened in the Houston game, he was running and lowered oh, okay. the shoulder rather than sliding. So, Correct. There you go. All right. Let's get to it. Jordan, take us to Pickville. Unless you guys have other games you want to speak on. I don't want to, I don't want to rush anybody off the mountain here. Uh, I think there was. Uh, shouts out Nevada. Got their first win. Oh, gosh. In a affront to football. I think 6 nothing over San Diego State. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. San Diego State is going to um, be making. They, they might be a hot seat. <coughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's time. Um, uh, Kansas State see. beat the brakes off of TCU. Molly walloped Texas Christian. <laughs> the margin was thirty-eight in that one. Yeah. Um, um, LSU absolutely destroyed Army and like did it did. It did horrific things to Army. Yeah. Um, okay, and, State and, goes on the road. Uh, there you go. That's your team. Virginia. I think Spencer said that this is going to be Gundy's funniest nine and three campaign <laughs> to date. Yeah, uh, which is looking more and more likely as Since, the weeks uh, go on. Cincinnati is broken. Not really sure. They They're terrible. Nebraska is above five hundred. That's right. In, in Who knew? The end of October. <laughs> um, I think it. I should have brought this up earlier during the hot seat talk. It brings me no joy in Mudville. Uh, ECU lost to Charlotte 10-7. They are now 1-6. Biff. They do not have an FBS win yet. 
Oh, yeah, that was the other first UVA got. First FBS win of the season. That's, That's right. true. So, yeah. news. Okay, now we can go to Pickville. Thank you yeah. for thank you for bouncing around the country with us. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Pickville, overall, pretty good week for the boys. We're back. Everybody had an over 500 week. We started. I believe that's the first time we've done that since week eight of last year. Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it takes time to get the launch codes yeah. all, all lined up. We're, we're in literal mid-season form. Well, you must realize that sometimes it's a little hard to just all sit here and agree with each other's picks, too. Like, sometimes you have to kind of just... You do talk yourself into some contrarian takes. Just like, yeah, <laughs> you know what? The vibes are off. I'm in. Yeah, like, exhibit A being James Madison at Marshall. <laughs> hey, Thursday night. I gave you watch uh, it right as a softball for Jordan right there. 7 p.m., I made what admittedly was a vibes pick. Uh, <laughs> turns out that may have been misguided. Um <laughs> I, I watched this game and maybe like Marshall's second snap from scrimmage heard just like, well, they're without their star playmaker, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that would have been good to know before. <laughs> to be fair, in your defense, that came out 20 minutes before the game. Ah. Well, yeah. Was he the Whittingham? That's, that's the Whittingham uh, a PR strategy. I like that. I think he's been banged up. I don't know if he was expected to miss. I don't, okay. I don't recall that. I remember I was surprised when I read it. Admittedly, I was not as plugged in as I have been in the past. Sure. <laughs> sure. All, all this to say, JMU was at Marshall. Uh, the Dukes looked great. They they terrorized uh, the trenches. Yes, um, they did do that. Marshall's quarterback had a bad night in the office. He was, it was not enjoying himself. At yeah. all stages of the game. I thought, like, on the rare occasion when he had time and a clean-ish pocket, they got guys open, um, but those occurrences were so few and far between that he was either too surprised to put the ball on the spot or uh, it just wasn't, you know, cumulative enough to really be a threat. Um, sure. Marshall's defense did generate a safety. Uh, for a while there in the third quarter, we had the possibility of a 6-4 finish, which – Having Marshall three and a half would have really put me in a bad spot for for days. Trust me, days. Um, but shout out to the Dukes. Looks like they traveled pretty well from a fan perspective um, all the way to the western front of West Virginia. Um, hope everybody traveled safe. That That's really all I got. I always like watching games in Marshall. For, there's like something with their turf, and maybe it's the yeah. green and the turf. Like it seems very shiny there. I don't know what it yeah. is. Um, you can hear a lot of crowd noise. I think, it's, I think noise it's the material, the, the material and the humidity are like it's a weird combo. Interesting. Um, maybe they should send those cameras over to the Fox crew that did the Ohio State game. Uh, they could brighten up brighten up that coverage a little bit. But, uh, no, I mean, I went to bed. Uh, I was I had made the decision to go to bed at 20 to 2, and then as I was walking in from letting my dog use the bathroom before bed, um, I see that Marshall is running the kickback for a touchdown, and I was like, I got to go to bed. I can't, I can't stay up and do this. Like, I did not find this game to be an overly inspiring in any direction. Um, JMU seemed a little conservative bottled up whatever um on offense especially the first half that i saw evidently nothing else happened the rest of the game so i, I i'm assuming things kind of stayed that way it didn't seem like it seemed like any lead jam you had was going to be safe versus the martial <laughs> offense that i was looking at they were very much um 
in that ass. So extremely bland. Yes. Yes. So, uh, JMU's defense uh, looks great and continues to, um, be impressive. And yeah, I mean, I go Dukes. They're, they're like legitimately good. Shout out to them. They broke into the rankings again. Uh, love it. Love to see it. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, you guys, you guys covered it well. I, I do think, uh, yeah, in terms of an offensive game plan, I, didn't love ours this week. Um, it seemed a little weird, seemed a little conservative. Uh, admittedly, and by Coach Signetti's own admission, um, I think Jordan McLeod and Reggie Brown, Jordan McLeod is the quarterback, Reggie Brown is the wide receiver, came to the sideline early in the third quarter, and Signetti said they they told him something. They're like, hey, we, we found this thing. And those two hooked up uh, often in the second half. Yeah. Um, and so the, it was it was a much better offensive half in the second half. There's 17 point half, which in that game. Don't you love uh, seeing players okay. take ownership? What was the final score? It's like a game. coach on the field. Um, what was the final score of this game? I thought I, th- I thought the final was 20 to nine. It was not. It, it was. Oh, it's 29 at halftime. No. Oh, you said. Oh, was it in the third quarter? It was three nothing at halftime. Man, where was I? What was I doing? In the. Uh, yeah, you watched it in the fourth quarter. If you saw, okay, it I must have had to poop a few times. Yeah, I must have watched it the end, the beginning of the fourth quarter. I apologize. You know, it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, I I do agree that like um, so Jordan McLeod, Jordan McLeod like got knocked around a little bit at one point. Had to leave the game, and our backup played a couple plays because he took a shot to the knee, uh, which was worrisome. But uh, came back and did did a really good job of just like kind of controlling the last twenty five minutes. Um. Because yeah, he scored late in the third to make it 13-2. And yeah, frankly, with our defense, that felt pretty safe. Um, yes. And then it was either that the drive leading up to that or the next drive because he dropped a dime in uh, for his only passing touchdown over the head of Reggie Brown. Um, and, and yeah, the offense looked... That is like... That is an impossibly difficult catch to yeah. make. Yeah, shout out, to shout out to Reggie, who... And Reggie Reggie Brown has struggled. He's had a couple drops at weird points, uh, not not crucial points, but like times where he's wanted to run before he fully got the ball in. And anybody who dabbled in the outfield can vouch for that. Um, but that was that was an incredible catch. And so yeah, as soon as it was twenty to two, that was it was pretty much over. But then they literally ran the next play back for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, uh, incredible job by the defense. Held Marshall, which was average. Now, admittedly. Uh, I, and I checked uh, Rasheen Ali ran for 100 yards and two touchdowns last week against Georgia State. So this was – I don't know if he got hurt late in that game or what, but I, to, for him to sit out was eye-opening. But their backup running back ran for like 64 yards, and their quarterback got sacked for 68. Um, so that was negative four rushing yards by the Dukes defense. They are well out in front of the nation despite the NCAA stats site leaving us out. Um, so yeah, just really kind of an otherworldly performance by the JMU defense. Yeah, it, they the Dukes seem pretty good. Uh, I think they do. Their, their hardest chunk of games is certainly behind them. Um, they do. It's kind of Sun Belt tradition that every team gets ranked and then immediately loses the next week. Um, we have Old Dominion coming to town this weekend for homecoming. So. Knock on wood. Old, Old Dominion, fresh off a win over App App State, right. also. Well, so keep our eyes on App State it's, for the carousel. Questions, questions are being asked. Questions are being asked. Yeah. Um, and so we still have most of the Sun Belt East. We have ODU. Uh, 
Georgia State's six and one. We have to go to Atlanta to play them in two weeks. Uh, App State still comes to us. We still have to go to Coastal, who might be without Grayson McCall for a while. Um, He is, by all accounts, okay and in good spirits, so that's good. Um, But if you would have told me we'd be seven and zero at this point two months ago, I probably wouldn't have believed you. That was a very difficult stretch of games that we. Looked tested a few times, but to be seven and zero is pretty remarkable. Um, I mean, I think just coming like, sort of like in the wake of the UVA game, I like kind of was like, I don't think UVA is very good, and like JMU like kind of got lucky to win that game. I don't say got lucky, yeah. but like definitely like pulled that was, one out. It was an escape for sure. Yeah, yeah, they escaped with the win there, and and you know you're gonna have a handful of those over the course of a season, probably two or three, yeah. uh, if you're gonna like have a really successful season. So. You know, I think JMU's gotten like a lot better since then, and that's been, yeah. That's what's like I think encourage you should be <gasps> encouraging for Dukes. They're not like wearing down against the big boys and like you know having depth issues. At least they don't so appear far to be fatigued. Yes, or, exactly. Like beaten down. And this is where I think we we now have a year of FBS recruiting and transfers under our belt. We talked about this last year, kind of we we hit that midseason doldrums and and. Todd Santeo got hurt for a game or two and that didn't help. But, you know, we went, we started, I think, five and oh, and then lost three straight and then, you know, have won all 10 since. But um, I, I kind of don't think you're going to see that with this team. They seem very fresh. I was worried that we, and admittedly, some of the offensive problems on Thursday might have been fatigue related. It was a short week. Um, sure. And knowing Coach Signetti, he probably was being very conservative with that. But, I, I have a hard time – like you said, they're not wearing down. They're not – it's not like we're still escaping. Like we – Right. We won fairly convincingly against South Alabama. We hammered Georgia Southern. The Marshall game didn't really seem in doubt for the last 25 minutes. Um, so I, I do I, – I fully agree. I think this team looks much better than the team that played in Charlottesville. Um, and that's yeah. – that's, to, you know – Commendations to the coaching staff uh, and the players on that for sure. Yeah, and the players yep. making plays. Yep, still got to make those plays out there making plays. So absolutely fun times for the Dukes. Game number two, we moved to Saturday noon o'clock in the Horseshoe, Columbus, Ohio. The Buckeyes, the Nittany Lions, they did the same thing they seemingly do every year. Uh, Penn State just can't find a way to do it. Um, I don't know. I like, I think my main takeaway from this is it's still really impressive that Marvin Harrison Jr., as I said in the preview episode, continues to get open at the frequency he does. Um, He also made some really good contested catches, but there were a few plays where it was like, that guy's the best player on the field, and there is nobody within 15 yards. Of He's him. just running amok through the middle level. How is that happening? Yeah, um, they're they're not afraid to like get him like tunnel screens and stuff too, which I think is kind of like I like if they need to generate some yards and generate an easy throw for the quarterback. It was like I think we could all agree like. You know, he's maybe like slightly souped up Craig Krenzel at this point, but like he is, you know, yeah. like what, what people were calling him uh, Kyle Honda McCord. Uh, you know, if if they have freaking Bugatti Marv or Maserati, Maserati Marv, Maserati Marv, Maserati Marv, then, then um, yeah, I mean, they, but my point is that like occasionally they just like throw him, the, they, just, they have like get him the ball plays too, which is like, let's just get the ball in his hands and let him do stuff. And he kind of tumbles forward and makes guys miss. And 
is extremely awesome. So it's it's wild that like the best receiver in the country is also like kind of also does the thing where like oh the tight end is his safety valve. He's always open for six yards, and somehow that's also the yeah. best vertical threat in the country. It's very wild, but. Um, all that to say, Marvin Harrison is incredible, and this game sucked to watch. Yeah, this game, this game is terrible. Just real quick, one more thing on Marvin Harrison. I want to give a special shout-out to listener Mike Redmond, a uh, friend of the podcast, who told me earlier this week that he just didn't see it with Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> proceeded to send me an apology on Twitter um, earlier today. So That's I, very you know, big you know, I'm, That's big I, you see, you got to own up to your – you know, I listen, I told him I appreciate a hot take, too. So, like yeah. – Totally keep them coming is what I'm saying. Well, here. we also but, appreciate, you know, the awareness to be like, yes. hey, and sometimes, I'll own sometimes it. you got to back wrong. off. Yeah. It's like, you, you think I'm not struggling with FSU right now? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with FSU right now. Okay. They got me, they got me <laughs> really in a, glass, in a glass case of emotion. So, um, anyhow, yeah, Jason, this game kind of blow, blew, blowed. Blow, it blowed. It blowed. Yeah. It was terrible. I didn't, I mean, there's a difference. Like, the Notre Dame game, for Ohio State felt like that was that felt like a high, much higher quality game that was also yeah. low, low scoring. This game didn't feel overly high quality. It was too it was two good defenses, so shout out. Yeah, but like Penn State has a very good Penn defense. State's yeah. attempts on offense to do anything were like laughable, and it was almost so, like the, the 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 Iowa strategy. Like they, it they, was it was wild at the halftime show. I watched it with the volume on, which I normally don't do because I'm not a huge fan of that Fox uh, conglomerate that they put the on the table of, of many men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was crazy how unanimous the consensus was amongst a former coach in Urban Meyer, a former quarterback in Brady Quinn, and running back Mark Ingram that. Like, yeah, neither of these coaches trust their quarterbacks. It is clear as day that they do not trust them to make plus plays, and they are trying to protect them. Yeah. And it's obvious in play calling. Um, and That's I think it was Brady Quinn who at one point suggested, like, Penn State, just take the shot. It was like, Matt Liner. Oh, yeah. oh, I think Matt it was Liner. Liner, yeah. Maybe you generated <laughs> pass interference. Who knows? Like, I, as a proponent and a school in the Jane Coaston, uh, a student in the Jane Coaston School of All PI Offense, um, I applaud them for coming around to that uh, way of thinking. But pretty industrious. It's it's just tough to watch when yes. like neither coach wants to be proactive, um, and I think especially it's disappointing from Penn State's perspective because. They were never in a position of strength in this game, and they never seemed to call plays to try and get there. Um, obviously, they had a bad break in the first half. They generate a scoop score on defense while Ohio State is driving into the red zone, gets called back. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. draws a defensive holding, which, yeah. correct call, just tough break for yes. the the fumble forcer and the scoop scorer. Um, Ohio State ended up punching it into the end zone, I think, there. So, yes. 14 point swing. And once Penn State got on their heels, they did not seem prepared to um, chase the game at all. Push back. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like, well, if, if we get fortunate and like string some good events together by happenstance, then we can be. We can be back 
right back in this thing, maybe even have the lead. But there was no like, okay, we have something that we're ready to try to like throw a punch back. What has James Franklin been doing? Like, don't, don't they? Re- I, I thought they recruit like well. They always have a good recruit. How they do they do. have? How do they have no no dudes? Like we see. I, I mean, I don't know. You don't hit the portal. I mean, they're like Clemson, basically. <laughs> awesome defense, and you know, a bunch of probably like name talent in star power, um, recruiting wise. But like, I just it's weird. Like, uh, you know. There's no they Saquon Bar- there's no Saquon Barkley on this team. Yeah, there's no Saquon Barkley on this team. There's no, you know, Drew Allers, I think, a highly recruited kid. He threw the ball 42 times yesterday for like four yards of completion. Just everything was just out dumpy wide or like suit the shallowest crossers of all time. It's just uh Well, I think they said on the broadcast, weird. like this is the prospect as well who was supposed to have the deep ball arm. And we're not seeing that even attempted. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean and- it's I think it would have been one thing. Like they, they seemed to concede like Ohio State's going to get after us on the defensive line, and we're not going to have time for the deep ball. Which, if that ends up being true, great. Like, but at least you made them do that, and maybe you start opening up that second level for some of those crosses, for some of those like little. Um, I forget the, not the wheel, but the the meshes in the middle and stuff like that. Um, but like they didn't even try to keep Ohio State honest. Yeah. And so all Ohio State had to do was was rush for occasionally five and just wait in the middle of the field to blow up whatever crossing pattern, whatever six yard in and whatever like it was just very it it the the thing that it gave me the impression of was and I've made this this reference before, but like it World Cup finals are yes. famously terrible soccer because both teams are playing not to lose instead of to win. And that seemed to be what Penn State was doing, even when they got down a score or two and it's like what well, yeah you're not gonna beat ohio state if you're just like let's let them come to us like nope that's not gonna work and i, I wonder was, if james franklin saw that scoop score and was like oh we'll just do that again right like and, and it just it made just me do that and score that way well that's what i'm saying the, like they, they, you think you're iowa you ain't iowa baby right. like i don't yeah. know <laughs> it's usually ohio state like and Ohio State's better at, at the thing you're trying to be, anyways. Like so. How did Penn State score 31 points against Iowa? We, I think, someone posited this into the group chat. Like, I don't know if there was some a, a kick return and a and a fumble, a scoop yeah. score mixed into that. It could that could very well be the case. But sheesh, I mean, that was awful. Just awful. really, really bad. And I, I hate when games like this are duds. When we've seen, I think we've gotten a little bit spoiled this year so far. Like Red River, awesome. Um, and then we had with uh, Washington, Oregon last week, awesome. Just like high quality football games, two evenly matched teams, like high quality football all across the board. And then to see, you know, I'm not sure that I feel awesome about Ohio State still either. So, like I think, which is the other thing, like they are the definition of like figuring out how to win. I do think there is a little bit of like we hold them to a higher standard on offense yes. and therefore we are penalizing them because they're not awesome. Like they were last year. And I, I do think that, but I think we also do like, we do the same thing in the other direction with like teams like Georgia and, you know, well, and so that was, that was something the full cast brought up last night was like, we are so used to seeing high flying Ohio state teams yeah. CJ Stroud chucking the ball around the yard, Jackson Smith and Jigba, all these first round offensive talents. Right. Those guys are not there anymore. Um, they, but like canonically, Ohio State football 
has been defense, hard-nosed, punch people in the mouth. And this is more to that speed. And I think it was Jason Kirk who said, like, if this Ohio State was doing all of this while wearing Georgia helmets, I think we'd be way more apt to be like, yeah, this team's great. They're super, for real. super tough. This is, yeah, you know, this is what's all about. Yeah, that's probably true. And, so, and they probably are all of those things, right? I, I, I just to think, a degree, narr- I think the narrative is interesting of their recent offensive successes. Sure. Fair. Which is, which is wild that like, we you're, you're going to hold that against a team and like, you know, Georgia's maybe coming back to the pack, just like a, a couple steps. And, you know, it's like, you know, they, they get all, all the leash. Yeah, as so. a side note, CJ Stroud has really impressed me to this point with the Texans. Yeah. Um, I, I Did don't you see him on game day? I don't think they're going to have a better quarterback come through Ohio State in a long time. That's probably true. Did you see him? His hit on game day that he did—he was the guest picker. He was awesome. Like no, breaking games down. Like he—I mean, he very clearly like prepared for the segment. But it was—he's well, on a bye week. So. Yeah, he's on a bye week. No, it was—it was so good because he was like. He was actually like giving insight and in, into like the scheme that TCU runs and like what makes that scheme difficult for quarterbacks and like I was just oh, like man. it was it was like actually like interesting stuff. He wasn't just like oh you know my my, my best friend is a you know plays for them so like some of those guys do so I don't know how well he did but it was it was really good. He even like made a joke. He's like come on guys like uh, I think Herb Street was like giving him grief because he was like oh, who are you breaking down the games here on like on me and on my head and he was like uh, yeah man I'm trying to get a job after I'm done playing or something like that so it was kind of it was like it was a funny back and forth but he came across really well I was really impressed too so that was that was very yeah, that, like I've watched a couple of Texans games this year and that's like all the broadcast talks about is how whip smart this dude is and that's you know to the college broadcasts uh, fault they didn't do a real great job of letting us in on a whole lot of that while he was at Ohio State. So, no. We'll take it to game number three on that note. Tennessee was at Alabama. A real tale of two halves in this one. Well said. Yes. I I was nervous for the consensus at halftime. (laughs) Um, However, one team made halftime adjustments that worked. Uh, That was Alabama. The other team, Tennessee, either did not feel the need to make adjustments. Uh, it was kind of like watching, in some ways, an early season UVA game where showed some promise in the first half, and then <laughs> nada in the second half. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of empty space of and just like empty glances in the second half. As yeah. The loss washed over them. Saban summed it up really well in his little post-game hit, but he said, like, that first drive in the second half completely flipped the momentum of the game. Like, they got a good run. Um, two, it was, like, two, two plays, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, like, well, they, I think they got two plays, yeah, and then, like, maybe they, they scored shortly thereafter or something, but they had two kind of big chunks, I think, in that. I, um, I think it was just, like, a 35-yard run. Play scoring. Oh, okay. I think it was a 35-yard run and then the bomb. Oh, you're right, because you texted us, Jason. So, yeah. yeah anyhow, um, it was yeah, awesome. I, mean, uh, I thought that that was cool. Uh, you know, it, it brings me no pleasure to see either of these two tim- teams like winning. But uh, finally, they get. Hypel has bad. like Hypel has bad losing coach face. Like when things start <laughs> going bad for his team, he, you really know. Like Coach he, Bobby Moynihan. Yes, he, he yeah, <laughs> Coach Chumley, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> coach Chumley. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> But um, 
Yeah, I mean, Alabama continues to piece things together uh, in a in like new and inventive ways. Like, I kind of feel like they're playing with fire too much, and they have another loss in them. But at the same time, like their chances to lose are dwindling as we go along here. And it's not like, you know, I don't think three, the three headed monster quarterback situation for Auburn is going to gun them down. Now that would, wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be hilarious if um, it's a, that, that's a, a primetime candidate for, wouldn't it be hilarious? Uh, you know, the LSU game is going to be crazy. That's in a couple weeks, next week, in a couple weeks. I don't know when that. Yeah, so is there by this, their buy is this week. And then both teams. Yeah. LSU is. Yeah, so I mean that's going to be huge. LSU looks like they kind of have righted the ship a bit, um, but anyhow, uh, this, this well, uh, we'll this. put a pin in that because I remember making a prediction that Auburn was going to make LSU's defense look improved, and the narrative was going to shift. Now, the following week, this weekend, they had Army, so I don't know that you could learn. They allowed any zero. Lessons. They did allow zero points to Army. Okay, I think the talent balance okay. <laughs> was a bit wider in that game i think i think you're you're definitely right all so. things aside yeah, yeah i think tommy reese called a really good game in the second half yeah really uh, good second half really opened up some of the buried files did some designed <laughs> uh jayla miller runs yes which is an important factor uh i think this potentially looks like those deshaun watson Clemson teams where as we move Deshaun, Deshaun, whatever, as we move toward the end of the year, uh, we start unveiling more quarterback runs because oh, sure. you you got to do what you got to do. That was the Clemson move. They did that with Lawrence like extremely well. Like he didn't yeah. run the ball all year. And then all of a sudden that dude is galloping through the secondary. Yeah. You're like, look at him go, man. <laughs> what a very, long strider. He's very fast. What a long strider. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it was uh, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee looked pretty good in the first half. They kind of looked like a little bit like older, like last year's Tennessee. They seemed a little bit more willing to stretch. Joe Milton was spinning it a little bit. I mean, he could. He well, could they were spin doing it. a lot of these routes of like go and then come back to the ball like seven yards back yeah. the route you just came. And Bama was playing a lot of off coverage on those routes. And that worked. Um, Squirrel White had like. 10 catches in the first half or eight catches in the first half, something insane like that. And for whatever reason, um, they either didn't have a plan B for when Bama adjusted to that at halftime. Just start squatting or, on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It's just strange. I just also think but, they, they must, they must be really lacking like a burner kind of guy that can, like Jalen Hyatt was so good for them last year. Cause he was yeah. just so fast and, you know, they kind of put your safeties and corners and decision. And like, you have to make the right decision every time. Cause they always are going to have a switch release and like a guy running on the rail and you're going to have to like, make sure that someone gets out there. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It just seems like maybe I think the, they had some offensive line issues. I know their left tackle Mincy Florida transfer. Hate to see it. Um, went down and uh, he also didn't play like in the Florida game and Florida ate the left tackle up that yeah. was, that was replaced him. So he went down in this game, he's been hurt all, all year. And I think that's been really hampering the Tennessee offensive experience this year. Um, but Hey, I mean, that's football. The guys are going to get hurt. That's how it goes. Milton. I just don't think, I think it's a combination of all of those things just as not summing up to uh, Tennessee being, as good as they were last year, which was really yeah. good. But I mean, like also last year, like 
no one was as good as Georgia. So, congrats. That that's a great way to put it. <laughs> Game number. Hey, uh, hold on, before we do that, I want to go on record that I I subscribe to the Spencer Hall theory that this is the most fun Nick Saban has had coaching in years. Oh, um, I agree. Because he has to, like, he has to actually coach, and there are flaws, and he can get his hands on boys and just like fix them and that sort of thing. And I thought I think he was... this season has awakened parts of his brain and his coaching yep. uh, toolbox that have been dormant <laughs> for many years because yep. his offenses have been so dynamic. Yep. Now it's like, oh, oh, this is what it feels like oh, to feel to feel that games. acid reflux in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah. And like, but he does, he does little like coaching breakdowns after the game now, and like you can. See the, I think Spencer tweeted that like, He's let's talk about the corners. Nick Saban commenting on the Battle of Stalingrad. Like he just wants to talk. Everything is about the cornerbacks at all times. And like, yeah, I love it. Speaking of corners, I thought he was going to ring Kool Aid McKinstry's neck a couple times during this game. McKinstry let a couple punts fall that like yeah. totally boned Alabama on some field position stuff. And I don't know what was going on with the punter. I think Tennessee has a a switch kicking punter. Um, Whoa. Like I think their punter can punt with either foot, and they do it's the Amba, like. Amba Puntrius. Is Amba Puntrius? Yes, he's from uh, um, Australia, of course. And uh, so I don't know if maybe like you're getting weird, like spin on from left-footed like, punters, and you're just not used to it. And they were also boom, with the winds for some of those boomers. Yeah, there was a little bit of wind, but it's like you're yeah. at home, man, and he's just like he was letting punts fall like. Next yeah. to him, and it was really weird that they so something must have been going on. But I thought Saban, <laughs> he was furious, and that's like your you know, that, I mean, that's like your all American first team all American like DB right yeah. there. Um, but yeah, Alabama they are like squarely in the tough to kill category still, and uh, you know, that's probably a good place to be, you know, have a little edge to you. Um, I think Jordan, the point about the the Jalen Milrow like design run game. That's like a great thing for their offense. I think it's better for them to do that and then, you know, take the occasional deep shots than to just like let him be doing stuff back there. Cause like it seems like he's not quite there when it comes to like when the play breaks down. Like he should just yeah, run. I th- like I don't think he's a great like improviser, like gonna like wave a guy over and hit a guy like in the middle of the field, like looking at him or anything. It doesn't seem like I that's I think in their his game offense yet. is weakest. The weakest link is that Milrose still does not seem comfortable with like intermediate route decisions. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's great on the deep stuff. He's great if you have a designed like tunnel or bubble. He can make those no problems. It's Love the in between stuff. And you can't get the deep opportunities all the time because your left, your freshman left tackle is still having a rough go of it. That's true. At, at times. Um, he he had some flashes of brilliance as well, and I'm sure is going to grow into that position as time moves forward. But um, yeah, I think the the quarterback run, and I don't want to be this guy who just like every team needs to run the quarterback more. <laughs> but like for teams that don't have a, a generational thrower of the ball who can both do the touch passes and the deep balls and the short stuff. Like if you can't throw to the whole route tree really well, you need to bring something else to the table most of the time. And so I think as we get later in the year, it would behoove Alabama to mix in some primary quarterback runs more often. 
Love it. Game um, number four. Milrow was also a delight after the game. I didn't know he had that much personality. Beaming smile. Well, like the, the like Nick Saban chomping on the cigar really hit a funny bone. Yes, was, he loved that. Also made me laugh too because Saban is such a little biggest, guy, too. like crap eating grin on his face <laughs> yeah. with the stogie in his mouth walking off, and like, he just ah, like all right, and then just in. like walked off. You know, it was kind of funny. I love too when he just like shrugs. It's it's just always great to beat Tennessee. You know, it's like <laughs> played great. You know, love to get a win here. I mean, it's always great beating Tennessee. <laughs> and like, him, right. I've I've said it a hundred times on this podcast, but him alternating between looking directly into the camera lens and back at the interviewer is never going to get old to me. It will kill me every time. He's going to, he's going to be so he's, I mean, he's done it. We've seen it on television, but he's going to be so good on television when he retires. Like, and he, he will be able to command as much money as he wants to. Yep. All right. Game number four. Duke was at FSU. Um, Kind of a tale of two halves here as well. Duke, Came out strong, had a lead for a while, and then the wheels kind of came off when Riley Leonard appeared to re-injure the ankle. Yeah. Um, really impressed with Duke, though, man. Like, their offensive line held up for most of the game against a very physical, very talented Florida State defense. Um, Florida State got the late cover. Sorry, Logan. The the five and zero narrowly avoids us again. Yes, but uh, okay. We'll take, yeah, we'll take what we got. I, I was really impressed with it. this. Reminded me a little bit of the LSU game, but like Duke acquit, uh, acquitted themselves. Like LSU kind of, I think, gave up against Florida State. But yeah. I think that the more telling thing is just like Florida State's really good, and you if you have an opportunity to get a lead on them like you have to be able to slam the door on florida state and duke you have to grow the lead you have to grow the lead and duke was unable to do that when they had some really good opportunities in the first half and then when leonard got hurt it was kind of all over i think florida state was coming like that train was that train was rolling um i continue to be just like astounded at how like darty travis is like in the pocket and then all of a sudden he just like is not in the pocket anymore and he rolls to the sideline and he's very like nonchalant at times and then he'll just like lob a little pass to like a guy who was blocking someone that then just like releases on the sideline he he does a great job extending drives i can't tell if it's improvisational or if it's like part of like their play design coaching thing because it doesn't look like i don't find florida state to be like overly crisp when i watch them play but they are so effective and they score they can score very quickly um johnny wilson got hurt again i think they said it was a head injury or something. Not really sure what the deal was there. The, the play that he fell on, he like fell like straight legged into the ground and then just jammed his shoulder into the ground too. So it looked like there was plenty of opportunity to get hurt on that play for the six foot seven receiver. But um, yeah, Duke's defense was good and seemed like pretty game. Um, but yeah, Leonard coming out, like their backup couldn't do anything. So um kind of interesting where they go because like i don't their offense isn't like amazing even with riley leonard in there it's it's serviceable and 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 good and multiple and all of the old words you want to use but um yeah i i i think duke's like ahead of schedule um and they've done a good job attracting some talent and and stuff in there but florida state's really good and like to the point where I'm very curious to see like a team like Florida state that has 
a lot of the sort of volatility um, that would drive a team like Georgia crazy, I think, or a team like Michigan crazy that like probably wants to kind of, you know, hem in the quarterback in the pocket, like having Travis back there. That's like very willing to just like, he's the anti Joe Milrow. Like I think he gets better when he gets to make stuff happen um, versus when he wants to like, just step, like make a throw on time. Yeah. I think it's a little like the way the chiefs operate with Mahomes, right? Like sure. I, I don't think their base offense is as uh, impressive as what Andy Reed calls on on a play-by-play basis but i think they are similar in that they both embrace the like okay yeah broken plays are going to happen uh off phase stuff is going to happen but we are very comfortable with our quarterback in those situations and we're going to embrace that like you know it's not the end of the world if if a guy comes free on a blitz like we can we can deal with that we can turn that into a positive um which right. like as as someone with no emotional skin in that game, that can be fun to watch. Um, For sure, I don't know how sustainable it is when you get to, you know, the college football playoff. Say when you play a better defense. Duke's got a good defense. They do not right. have though the athletes that a championship, a championship defense, yeah. or an Alabama will have and trot out there. So sure, yeah, that's what I'm. I'm just I'm just curious because I think. Florida state does the thing that like I ask of teams sometimes. And that is like, be interesting and, and, tr- and yes. be different a little bit and like take maybe a different approach to um, winning the game. And they like certainly do all of those things. And it's like, if you're not going to be able to just line it up man for man and put a hat on a hat and you just go right at them, then you're going to need to be able to like create your advantages elsewhere. And Florida state very clearly has an offense designed to do that. And I, that's what I'm kind of intrigued by. Yeah. Jason, you had any takes on this game? Did not see a snap. All right. Hope Riley Leonard is good, not good actually intensity. injured. Uh, he like just seemed like I don't. He probably shouldn't have played um, in this yeah. game, but he kind of just came up after a sack and like was in you know agonizing pain again. So um, took his helmet off too, which probably should have drawn a flag. You know. <laughs> if, if, Based on the way the ACC has officially, I love I love nothing more than the people who love to police the the helmet removal. Like that is one thing I could not give less of I'm a care saying, about. If we're gonna apply the rule, let's Pre- apply precedence the rule. has to apply. You're right. No, you're not wrong. I'm just like that. That is one thing to me that I'm like very surprised that that's like such a rule. Like who yeah. cares? Oh, I agree. <laughs> but <sighs> game number five, the Utes, the Elevation Boys. <laughs> Came down from the mountaintops, and this this game was awesome. This uh, was a, a cool game. Utah at USC did not disappoint once again. Um, the men from Troy stormed back late, uh, briefly tied it, took the lead. No, took the lead by one, right? Yeah, they were up one. Yeah. They went for two, yeah. Um, Utah ultimately drives... Uh, they have a pig farmer at quarterback at this point. Scrambles for like 30 yards to get them into field goal range. Um, we had a send the field goal team out. USC burns their last timeout. This is all with five seconds left. USC burns their final timeout to ice them. We send the offense back out on the field. Uh, the pig farmer runs into the center of the hashes and centers the ball. Utah calls their final timeout. Kicker hits the game winner. 
and Kyle Whittingham just charms the hell out of America with <laughs> the silverest beard and cabbage. He looks um, so good. I mean, what a dish served piping hot, that guy. The, yeah. a, what a Both jawline. Super tan and super silver <laughs> at the same time. Such a jawline on that guy, At the too. same damn time. <laughs> um, I do want to say, like, I have some bones to pick with Caleb Williams as a prospect. However, sure. there was a throw he made <laughs> yeah. on the final drive on, like, third and a prayer where he was rolling left and threw an absolute fastball to the guy leaning out of bounds to, to yeah. convert third and long. That made me yelp. Um, <laughs> so, like, that that's there. Um, I do question, though, like, how much of the hype that he generates solely being because of system stuff, getting him opportunities like he's got to deliver the balls on time in in place but lincoln riley qbs don't have the best track record at the next level um baker mayfield is enjoying a bit of a renaissance which great to see shout out to him um jalen hurts has been pretty good recently yeah but he also got coached up by one nick saban for a while so well he won a heisman at oklahoma yeah, but the majority of his career was at Alabama, correct? Um, maybe. Was it two and two? I thought it was three and one. I thought he played more than one year at Oklahoma, but maybe he only played one. Anyhow, it doesn't really matter. But like, I if you you're, you're telling me that like he he just like was like, no, I don't want to hear it, Lincoln. I've been coached at Alabama. No, I th- I think I'm saying like he got a good foundation before he went to Lincoln that sharpened him up. And I'm not saying Lincoln's a bad coach. I'm just right. saying like did Lincoln get Kyler Murray hooked on video games? It's a fair question. I think, to pe- ask. I think people are asking. Or was that Jimbo's fault? Cuz well, Kyler Murray was at Texas A&M first. Spencer Fair Rattler point. was also once a, a Lincoln Riley guy. How's that and, gone? And he is the bell of the ball of we, the uh, the We South are down Carolina, the, the rabbit South, hole. The South Carolina radio crew <laughs> has never loved yeah. someone more than they love Spencer Rattler. I one day <laughs> am excited to find somebody who loves me as much as the South Carolina radio crew <laughs> loves Spencer Rattler. Guys, I just want to say I've been listening to some radio recently. I love college. I love the college football blitz. Shout out to the varsity network app another free ad on this show it's so good i cannot get enough of like local radio team referring to the quarterback in such familial first name terms like oh, Jalen just is back there and he's just you know Jalen needs to get rid of the ball and it's just like there's just the way that they lean into the first name nature of like how they talk about these guys is so great you know spencer is tremendous just the way he got rid of that ball was just you know on time perfect like he does everything like i was like easy guys like relax you know this team is getting waxed by missouri at the time <laughs> they probably needed to find something positive to say because they couldn't like mf shane beamer live on the broadcast but um i get it how do you think how, when when do we start to think about some shane beamer situation that's a good question. But it's not I, what we're talking about right now, but them I, I would like to talk the, about it. At the beginning of the season, as a team, I'm so fascinated like to see what happens to. Gotcha. And uh, they have not disappointed so far. 
from, Good point. from a, uh, ooh, that's interesting perspective. Yes. Okay, back to Utah USC. Sorry, we went down the rabbit hole here. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, USC's defense gave up a lot of points to think, a bad offense. I think Jordan yeah. and I said that our main thing was we did not think Utah had the offense to take advantage of USC's defense. And it turns out, Hand essentially, up. we were wrong. We were wrong. Essentially, any offense can take advantage of USC's defense. You know, Alex, and Alex Grinch defense is the cure for the common run game. People it's, are saying. And so you know. Utah apparently has their own, like, Travis Hunter thing going on. Yeah, they have like a free got, safety dot in the eye back there. Who I think he had over 200 yards of total offense last night. Yeah, he caught a bomb down the sideline too. I think he's a recent – I think I read he's a recent add-in, and that's like their offense has all of a sudden taken off since they – They recently just let there. a free safety play running back and things got yeah. way – I mean, what's going on? Isn't Andy well, they, so they – I think it was like uh, – it was seen as weird, like, oh, but it's Cal. Like, they put up 34 last week against Cal, and everybody was like, well, it's Cal. And just to be fair, USC's defense might be worse, but um, – Oh, probably is. So – I, I but I have I've heard it mentioned in more than one place of like oh no that was the change that unlocked the offense and I was like no oh, we'll see they got Oregon next maybe, week maybe but. them stopping to lie stop stopping lying to everyone about Cam Rising maybe playing uh, also yeah. has, has been good for the quarterback room was this like um, the made for TV movie where they finally let the like the water boy shoot yeah. threes at practice and the coach is like oh wait a second I hope this guy's like a seventh year senior. We didn't know. We didn't know you could do. What this. was the? Oh, what was the? Um, uh, this is again off topic. We cannot stay on topic on USC. Utah. What was the? What was the injury news that had the betters in a tizzy this week? I'm forgetting. I texted you about it. Uh, I well, were you drinking yesterday afternoon, Jason? Because the text made no sense. I think you were trying to say Air Force quarterback. Yes. What did I say? I think you said uh, Fair Floors. I did. I did. I said with the fair force QB. I was not drinking. I just because I was like, well, I'm I'm sure he knows what he's talking. I just I wasn't even drinking. I just fired it off. Yes, the Air Force quarterback uh, was like the coach said all week he was going to be out for a while, and then he started. And so I said, Fair Force quarterback. I don't understand why you didn't get that. And I mean, anyway. you know, looking back with the benefit of hindsight, maybe we could have pieced it together. But it was just funny. Yeah. I just hit you guys with it out of the blue, so I'll make an allowance. Yeah. Out of the wild blue yonder, in if other you will. news, Jason's gambling again, so <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe more more to. The I point. couldn't. I was I was in various places where I could not make a single bet this weekend. It was terrible. Wow. Yeah. The zoo. They won't let you. They won't let you wet the beak at the <laughs> yeah. zoo, huh? That's where I was for thirty six hours. I was at the Smithsonian Zoo in Washington. He was just shivering. <laughs> Going through withdrawals. I'm at the Air and Space Museum, and I just I want to bet on a my air force bet on an air raid offense. Freaking so out, bad. man. <laughs> Anyways, you tell USC. Yeah, I, listen. Like, I think that like we're 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 verging on a lot of um, bad look territory with uh, Caleb Williams. Like, he comes off extremely arrogant in most media appearances that you see of him. I don't necessarily think that that is indicative of how good of a football player he is, but it is a bad look. Okay. And I think like NFL guy is going to be like, well, you know, he didn't look me in the eye and shake my hand the way. And, you know, like when you, when you start to see stories coming out about how he's potentially asking for percentages of, of franchises for teams that are going to buy, like, which is truly him, sick, which is if, if it's true is, is wild. You cannot come out 
and lay back-to-back eggs like this and like you know not not beat the likes of utah and you know we're also at starting home. to see like against by at the home. way this is not at the yes. elevation dome for the third time straight time you've lost to them too like you yeah. get two cracks at utah a year because you seem to get to play them twice um you know and it's just you know i, I it's curious drake may also you know didn't complete 50 percent of his passes mm. this week um and kind of looked fairly pedestrian so like these guys are college football players right they're definitely they're prospects still and i think uh does this mean that maybe shador would be the first quarterback taken and then he would come out after this year because that was Dion's big thing wasn't it like he's not going number two so okay yeah well i mean (laughs) yeah that that is we'll we'll keep a bdi on that tremendous content i would feel bad for the quarterback ranking industry but it would be tremendous content so um Todd yeah, would I don't know. Like, I just think USC, like people have been saying USC, unserious football team. They are an unserious football team. I'm not really interested in hearing from them um, until like, like what does Lincoln, what does more does Lincoln Riley need to see to like make a change at defensive coordinator? That guy's been with him since Oklahoma. Do you, well, I, they're like, terrible. My theory is that he's, gonna go to the nfl before he makes a change at dc like that's how he's gonna change the dc he works with he's gonna go to the nfl okay got conveniently kind of trickled out today that like oh he's already got his sight sets and maybe we'll be a package deal with caleb williams like Okay. Oh yeah, I, well, I love I love all this stuff. Like it's very it's very. Who gets to choose the defensive coordinator? Because Caleb, that means a lot in the NFL. Yes, and if it's Alex Grinch, R.I.P. Sitting up in the, sitting up in the booth with like the Chargers. Who's du- who's dumb enough to hire Lincoln Riley in the NFL? The Chargers, besides the Arizona Cardinals, the L.A. Chargers. No, because they've they've got even need to a long time deal. Oh, not gonna oh you're saying you have to draft Caleb Williams as well? Yeah, hmm. the Cardinals could take both of them, but that like that's not gonna work. The Bears they just tried that. The Bears are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he would want to play in the cold weather. The Bears seem to be a place where quarterback prospects go to absolutely die. The best yes. quarterback in like the history of the Bears is Jay Cutler. I'm pretty sure. How do we feel about the Washington Commanders? Um, I don't know. Ever because since, if the ever previous since... owner was still in charge, like they would be at the top. This top. would already I be a done deal. I don't deal. think they're going to be bad enough to be able to draft him, though. Uh, what are they now? Three wins. And ever since I saw their owner like dap up Joe Buck in the booth that time when he, Joe Buck was oh, not trying that, to shake his hand. Yeah. So their their owner already owns a couple of other pro sports teams. So he's, he's, he's partial owner of the Bucks right? enough to not do this. Okay. Um, any of the New York teams? I think the Giants just signed Danny Dimes to an extension. Yeah, the Jets. I'd be I'd be looking to move that contract ASAP, <laughs> personally. But ASA ASAP. Um, is there anywhere? Nowhere in Florida. Dallas would probably do it, but that's well, they just... just traded for um. Jerry'd be like. Caleb, come on in here. I'll give you two percent of the team. It's no problem. Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Jerry. But Jerry would Jerry would find a way to like hide the Cowboys behind a shell corporation and make that two percent useless. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Your two percent is worth eleven be, billion shroot bucks. It'd be like, yeah, it'd be like in the social network when what's his name gets like boxed out of his own company. That would be it, except Caleb Williams. It'd be hilarious. The real question is no Caleb Williams next year, no Bo Nix next year in the pack 10. And we might have like seventh year super senior Cam Rising fully healthy after a year. Admittedly, admittedly possibly no pack 12 next year. So. Well, whatever. Can we get, can we, what kind of futures odds can I get on Utah to make the playoff next year? Because I love that. And they're playing in the Big 12, Sands, yeah. um, Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gonna have sweet, sweet, sweet rising. It's not gonna cut his hair. It's gonna be a Samson situation. He's just <laughs> Logan, be... Alec, add a calendar alert to about August fifteenth. Okay, all right. We'll uh... love Utah for next year. <laughs> if Whittingham doesn't <laughs> retire, playoff. I feel like we do this like Whittingham might retire thing every year too. And Andy Ludwig, their OC, always almost takes a job elsewhere as well. So things are very tenuous in Utah, but. It's could a break our, game they it play. could break our favor. This has been a great breakdown of the Utah USC game. Yeah, um, it was it, it was a good game. It just you know USC is better than Utah and can't seem to can't beat them. I can't. Qu- I wish I could quit you. Is what they is what they're saying to Utah right I wish now. I could quit losing to you, <laughs> but I can't. Right. Yeah. It's tough. So yeah, the the news the the like Spark Notes is the game was awesome from an entertainment perspective. Um, yes. But I don't have a lot of substance to like really put my heart into. No, it was pretty straightforward. Now, do we want to talk about the tweet from the individual who we don't have to name, but who posited that uh, Caleb Williams should opt out for the uh, rest uh, of the year? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only the only question I wanted to bring up, I don't know if either of you know the answer to this. Caleb Williams is making a lot of allegedly nil money this season yes are nil deals allowed to be constructed in a way that requires or allows the payer to recoup payment if a player voluntarily opts out i think it varies by state i don't know about voluntarily um i know that NIL deals can't hinge on attendance or playing time, I think. Um, okay. I know they can't hinge on attendance because you it, can't be like – you can't be like, this. State? like, isn't it like a state law situation? So, there might be – There's, there's I, no, like, think, actual governance on NIL, like, deals. No, there, right? there is. The NCAA put some in place. Oh, um, good for them. Nice for them. And I, I think, party. you know, it's not nearly enough, and they defer to state laws on most of it, but it's – it's things like, yeah, like the the school can't – like they have rules. For instance, like JMU uses uh, student-athletes' name, image, and likeness in advertising sporting events. Sure. That stuff is still legal, and we, we are not – not just uh, don't have to pay them, but legally not allowed to pay them. Right. Um, and I think – I think the NCAA, one of those rules is that it can't hinge on, like, you can't say this NIL deal is null if you're not attending attending the University of Georgia. Like, because then that's just straight up, like, I'll give you this money if you come to the University of Georgia. Right. Um, but, I, like, so I, I, don't, I don't know what the – hurt, like, okay. I don't know, I don't know how it pertains to straight up participation. I don't know if there's contract information determinant on, like, well, you have to have medical vouching that, that you're not allowed to play and all this stuff. And so I I don't know. I, I would guess there is no rules set up for that yet because it's we're still making it up as we go along. 
I can imagine that if Caleb Williams says on Wednesday, like, you know what, I'm I'm opting out to protect myself for my professional future, that folks such as, I don't know, Wendy's or Dr. Pepper or Nissan are going to be a little disappointed that their investment is suddenly not going to be worth as much for the rest of the fall as it was when USC was ranked and undefeated. Now, I know they they can't control performance, but like I would imagine they would at least try if possible to say like, you know, we're not going to make you play in your bowl game, but like, don't do it in October. Right. I, I would, I would think that's the case. I, it would not shock me either way in terms of like the language of the deals, if what was legal and what was permissible. Yeah. Um, but Maybe we can get Colton Puckett Esquire on it. That's right. I have a, I have a hard time. I mean, that would be truly unprecedented, right? If he just stopped right now. Um, it's never happened, like, to my knowledge, of somebody stopping in the middle of the year and just being like, I'm done until the draft. I'll work out for everybody. And Not without, like, an injury or some sort of extreme, right. like, now, extenuating circumstance. I think there have been one or two instances of people, like, not hustling back. Like, they're not going to, you know. Yeah. Well, they didn't, like, who was the receiver until... from Ohio State last year? It was Jackson Smith and Jigma pretty much did that last year, right? right like, exactly. He, like, but... didn't play – like for like eight straight games during yeah. like the middle of the season, and he might have played in the playoff. But I don't think anybody's ever been in, in, in a healthy scratch for November because they want to concentrate on the pros. Yeah, I just to me, it's like it's kind of like verging on a little bit of a like bad faith argument thing. Like I think you're just trying to like get a hot take off. Like, well, what he should do is right. generate some engagement. Yeah, it, what, what he should do is maximize his value in this, that, and the other. And it's like I kind of like don't think that you're making the point that you think you're making is sort of where I land on that. And, you know, again, um, there's like a a whole conversation to be had about how the NFL basically just gets off absolutely scot-free in this situation and has free uh, minor leagues that they don't have to have any sort of like uh, financial involvement in. And I think that's not just the NFL. I I think that pro leagues as well. Other pro leagues, but like in this situation, the NFL, yes. like from a football standpoint, like it is unbelievable to me that we have a, a multi-billion, verging on trillion-dollar industry around football and, and gambling and, and and you know the the money behemoth that is um, NFL in this country. And like you know their minor league system is just kind of like the wild wild west of like oh like we're still propping it up with college and like you know and you know, sis boomba and all this stuff and it's like eh I, I i do feel uneasy about that but you can just like come I, I, to me it's just like a bit of a bridge too far to come out and be like ah well i don't think that caleb williams should play another down because it's over you know you can't they, go don't, to the playoff, they don't have anything meaningful to play for anymore it's like well no, then then nobody on any team other than like seven teams has anything meaningful to play for ever so right. like that's just like it's to me it's kind of a a, a kind of a bad faith argument it's situation. But Very much agree. Anyhow. Okay. Um, well, glad we got to talk about that. So we got Florida Georgia next week, boys. Who's excited? Who's excited? <laughs> Should be um, an interesting one. We will see how it goes. Um, are we done here? You guys got anything else you want to say? Anything you got to get off your chest? Um, just encouragement to all of our listeners. Really you know, do your best to maximize that shareholder value this week. Guys. <laughs> I know we can do it as, as a shareholder myself, I, yeah. I, I gird my loins every week before I go into the, uh, into the battle, into the dojo. Um, 
of value gains. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. It's the Wheel Route Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Wheel Route Podcast. You can send us emails, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to thewheelroute.com, see the pics, stream the show, see pictures of us, things of that nature. Until we meet again, I love you guys. Go Gators. Go Hoos! Go Dukes! Go Dukes!